Welcome to Captain's Log, Episode 10, The Way Forward. This episode of Captain's Log is coming just a little bit late, taking a few months off here. Uh, We have a lot to talk about in terms of our main topic today, cultural engagement. Then also, towards the end of the episode, we'll take a quick look at the Orville and also, of course, Star Trek Discovery. So as I said, this episode has been a little bit late, but the past few months have felt like an even larger than usual weight of division has landed on the national level and within the evangelical community. There are no easy answers for a better way forward, but I've taken some time to reflect on several aspects of this great divide and hope that they all fit together in a helpful way. So we'll take a look first at identification of the problem. And so that's the question posed initially. What is the problem? Stated directly, the problem as I see it is that Christianity is fractured into polarized realms that either redefine love totally void of propositional biblical truth or which redefine love as strict adherence to propositional biblical truth. In so doing, we have one side that engages in social issues while minimizing or entirely displacing orthodoxy, and one that emphasizes Christian dogma while largely neglecting social issues altogether. As we identify the problem, there are several aspects of that which I'd like to just briefly examine. Uh, First, we've only addressed the symptoms, not the cause. For example, Instead of articulating the basis for an all-encompassing Christian worldview, we've tended to go after specific issues like homosexuality more aggressively. So rather than really unpacking and systematically dealing with a breadth of issues and the causes, we really try to take on our, our issues that seem to be strawman arguments and really go from there, which really isn't effective. Secondly, we've settled for marketing the Christian life instead of proclaiming the Christian message. Instead of pointing the culture to the cross, we've pointed them towards billboard signs of pristine Christian families that ring hollow. Third, the church has confused political weight with cultural influence. In far too many instances, we've become lobbyists instead of salt and light in a culture of decay and darkness. And fourthly, the church has leaned towards exclusive social issues or exclusive spiritual truth. Herein lies a large element of the problem within evangelicalism. The term evangelical is used loosely here. One side uses the church as a platform for social engagement and largely bypasses the biblical witness and theological distinctives. Yet the other side uses the gospel as a panacea and largely neglects any type of uh, substantive cultural engagement where social issues are involved. There's certainly more to the problem than has been previously outlined. However, let's shift now and take a look at how we might move forward in a more effective way. First, I think it's important for us to embrace both the rationality and the scandalous nature of faith. No matter how intelligent or rational our best apologists, theologians, writers, and pastors are, there will always be an element of reproach to joyfully bear as a follower of Christ. Yet, there is historic, 
archaeological, philosophical, and even scientific support for the Christian worldview. As such, we must be diligent in loving the Lord with all our minds and faithful in boldly proclaiming Him in a hostile culture. Second, a better way forward would involve engaging with those of differing perspectives substantively. And so here I'd like to simply ask a question hypothetically to each of those sides that we previously identified. To those who minimize Christian orthodoxy, I would ask, are you able to see that there is an inherent danger to the faith if all historical, doctrinal, theological, and biblical lines are blurred or totally removed? Are you at least able to see that? Now, to those who minimize social issues, I would ask, are you able to see the hypocrisy in our standards and our neglect of the significant needs our culture has in which we remain silent or even in some cases contributed harm? Are you at least able to see that? And so if we're going to engage substantively with differing perspectives, we have to ask those initial questions at least to get an understanding of the alternative perspective in some way, shape, or form. I think that would be an important step to take to move forward. Third, it's also helpful for us to self-assess for cultural blind spots. So I've given four key words here with questions that should help spark our ability to examine ourselves and our communities to determine where we're just missing something. First word, patriotism. Where does our love for country become idolatrous? Second word, prosperity. How might we use the filter of global reality, and by that I simply mean if we expand out beyond our immediate context and look at what's going on around the world in terms of poverty, in terms of sickness, in terms of catastrophe, and then take that perspective and bring it back to bear on our immediate context uh, in terms of what we have to offer. So again, how might we use the filter of global reality to better understand our great wealth in conjunction with our great responsibility? Third word, popularity. Where have we striven to advance our brand rather than advance the gospel? Where have we actually put forth a platform to advance a, a book title or a pastor's name recognition, or even our church, rather than to advance the gospel itself. And then the fourth word, politics. How can we strike a better balance between being engaged and avoiding advancement through power? Fourthly, in terms of forging a better way forward, I think it's critical for us to understand the true weight and the power of the gospel. The gospel is not merely a means for us to sanitize society. Neither is it a cure-all to magically right all of our culture's wrongs. Rather, the gospel is the counter-cultural good news of Christ crucified for sinners that must be brought to bear on every dimension of who we are individually and collectively. The magnitude of this must not be diminished, but neither can its scope be stretched beyond the bounds of context. 
I'd like to turn now to two case studies as of late that we might engage with and, and think through. And we don't have time to go through point by point and examine every single aspect of these. However, I do think they serve as, as great examples for us to consider. First, the Nashville Statement. Now let me say from the outset that I have read the Nashville Statement in its entirety and affirm the biblical witness therein totally. However, let me say secondly that it would be helpful for the authors and leaders responsible to take a step back and examine their motives, the optics, and balance in engaging in the issue. And even consider some of the the thoughts that we've shared previously in terms of thinking beyond uh, issues specifically and addressing larger causal issues in terms of our society. And then, of course, a, a second case study would be presidential politics. If anything has polarized American evangelical culture, this has. We've heard that evangelicals have lost their moral authority and sold their souls. There's a range of issues interconnected with this one, but the underlying issue remains a critical juxtaposition. On the one hand, the church seeks to advance their moral and cultural agenda by using politics as a lever of power, which they are willing to compromise in order to maintain. On the other hand, the church is adapting their doctrine to accommodate the changing winds of culture and sacrificing their core identity in the process. Ironically, both sides have an idolatry problem. One places religious conformity above God, and the other places religious acceptance above God. Well, it's impossible to really take on a topic like cultural engagement in a podcast and really do it justice, but hopefully uh, this has served to intrigue, to whet your appetite to do uh, further study, to really engage with things in a more substantive way. And I'd like to transition now. It is a good time to be a Star Trek fan. And so I thought we would close out this episode with a few thoughts on uh, the Orville and also, of course, Star Trek Discovery. Let me start off with the Orville. Um, I've watched the first four episodes and found myself laugh a few times and become almost intrigued. Almost. Uh, It is an attempt at sci-fi parody and just sci-fi all at once. And it remains to be seen whether it will strike the balance in a way that resonates and lets the series endure. And so let's turn now to Star Trek Discovery. Um, As a Star Trek fan, I'm on board for the whole series regardless, so I'll admit my bias in its favor from the outset. With that being said, I've seen the first two episodes which serve as a prologue for the series and found myself drawn in by the characters and the story. Uh, My thoughts so far. The production quality is fantastic. In looking over some reviews from other fans, this almost seems to be a negative. And just to be clear, I'm hoping for a story and character-centered Trek that has a philosophical bent as well. However, that doesn't mean that it has to be intentionally low-budget for sets, effects, etc. So I don't buy the argument that just because there's a better production value... Um, that you have to sacrifice the story and the heart of Star Trek, so to speak. The characters. Uh, The main character, Michael. I do sense a redemption story arc coming within that character, and I 
I anticipate enjoying it very much. Uh, the Captain of the Discovery. I sense that he'll be painted as one willing to compromise the principles of the Federation to win the war and advance their overall cause. Think Star Trek VI's conflict within Starfleet between conquering the Klingons and preserving peace. I get a same feel for that type of philosophical dilemma evolving within the series, at least within the first season. I hope the show maintains the balance between making viewers think and becoming preachy about its own slant. Previous iterations did an excellent job of raising issues and letting you engage without just telling you what to believe, and that was part of the beauty of Trek done very well. Let me know what your thoughts are on either segment of this episode. Chime in on cultural engagement or with your own thoughts on the Orville or Star Trek Discovery, and I'll feature some of them on next month's episode. You can find me on Twitter at Calvinist Picard, on Facebook by the same name. Of course, you can also leave feedback on the first contact page of CalvinistPicard.com, as well as take a look at the Captain's blog and also other episodes of the Captain's Log podcast. Of course, you can also email me directly at calvinistpicard at gmail.com. Again, I encourage you to uh, connect with me in some way, shape, or form. And let me know what your thoughts are on cultural engagement, episode 10 of The Captain's Log, and then also on The Orville and Star Trek Discovery. We'll feature those on the next episode. Thanks for listening. I do hope you'll listen to episode 11 next month, where I'll share thoughts on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Reformation.